as we head into talking about family here in the next few weeks, I wanted to just refresh your memory that there was a certain order that was set in order back in Genesis chapter 2. Um, and I was even think about that this morning. I thought, I wonder what it was like for God to form your body, give you breath, and then here you are. Uh, I don't know how old Adam was when he was, how old do you think he was? I think he was 18, 25, 32, 43. I mean, how old do you think he was? Uh, or well, there wasn't even any age. He's day one, right? So he's day one. He's Here he is, and he's a grown man. Um, can you imagine? Here you are on this earth walking around, and everything is at your disposal. But you're by yourself. You ever thought about that? Let's say you woke up one day, and it's just you. <laughs> what would that be like? That would be terrible. But the Lord said this thing's in order, and he says here in Scripture, he says, the Lord said, it is not good, this is chapter 2, verse 18, it is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper suitable for him. So you know what he did. He put Adam asleep, took out one of his ribs, and formed the woman. And then he brought the woman to Adam and said, here, here is your helpmate. Did you catch that? Your helpmate. So ladies, guess what your job is in the family? You are the helpmate. That's right. And so you're thinking, okay, wow, that's a broad title, isn't it? I mean, if, if I ever think about what my wife does throughout the week, it makes my head spin. Um, and when she was away and not feeling well, and I had to go home to take care of things, I'm thinking, okay, oh my gosh. Well, forget scrubbing the tub, forget the toilet, forget the sink, forget the dishes. Okay, wait, we got to eat. Okay, hold on. Well, we got to, you know, oh my gosh, the clothes. Oh my God, I got to sweep. Oh, oh, I mean, there's so many things that she does that you don't realize until mama's either impaired or gone. But you are the helpmate. So here is Eve given to Adam, and they're walking around just enjoying. And so the Lord shows up and he says, you know, um, there's an order that I have. And so as we head in today and look at some things, we're going to kind of talk about the men today a little bit, but um, let's kind of focus on that. But men leading in the family. Because the Lord set it up to where the man is the head of the family, just like Christ is the head of the church. He says that in the book of Ephesians. And so the man is supposed to lead. And we'll end today, too, with some helps for those maybe your husband doesn't lead or maybe your single mom. Um, I'll give you some helps on that as well. But the pattern is there's supposed to be a husband and a helpmate, and then if there is children which you're blessed with, then there needs to be some order, set in order. And so... Um, and I was talking to my wife last night, too. We went out to a quick, quick little bite. And I said, what do you think about this, that, and the other? And she's giving me some, some, of her, some of her thoughts for the day. And um, I said, well, what do you think about maybe the wife that doesn't let her husband lead? Because is there possibly wives that don't allow their husbands to lead? They wear the pants in the family, kind of say? And she goes, well, she goes, that's out of order. I said, mm, girl. You got to get yourself some asparagus. Go on, go, go, girl, go. And so she was getting with it. And uh, I, you've seen those families, right? Maybe you're like that. Maybe you get home, you're like, well, no one ever knows, but I made decisions here. Lady. Well, I, I, 
I don't know. I haven't been in your house. So maybe that's the way it runs. I mean, I don't know. But the thing is, there is an order. And, um, and I'm pretty sure that when the order is put in place and everybody has their position, does the right things, the family is blessed and it thrives. And, um, you know, and even I realize, too, the older I get, the things that we go through, I realize that everybody here, we all fall short, don't we? Everybody here, we all fall short. So nobody's arrived. Oh, I got this down. No, guess what? Nobody's arrived. Um, the only person who's arrived is Jesus Christ, who came, died, and rose again. And so that's the person I put my hope in, right? My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness, et cetera, et cetera. So have you ever failed at something? Oh, not me. I never felt. Yeah, whatever. Have you ever excelled at something? Like, nailed that. Like the SAT. What's the highest score? I got 2,400. I don't know what the highest score is in the SAT. Who nailed that? Not me. I had to take it twice. <laughs> Barely got in school. Thank God. Woo. Did I get enough? High? Okay, good. I got in. Woo. Thank God. Failing, succeeding. And then I started thinking, and I made a list. I put a little line on my, the last piece of, sheet of paper. I said, okay, okay, let's see the guys who really had it going on, the ones that kind of didn't. So I was going through Genesis to start, you know, thumbing through there. And, and Adam, well, I put him on the failed side because he was right there. He should have told his wife, don't touch that. Don't, don't do that, right? He was right there. It was just the two of them. Unless maybe he was away doing something. Or, well, I think he was there. I wonder how many of us guys... See our wives doing something, we don't stop. <laughs> Just a thought, maybe. Then there was Jacob. I put him on the failed side, but yet he was. Uh-uh. What about Moses? Well, he was, yeah, but we know he. The list was like, it's, it's, it's ludicrous. I'm like, everybody fails. But you need to continue to do what? To lead. Every home needs a man to step up and lead physically spiritually, emotionally. So if you're a teenager or you're young, you're like, well, I'm just going to check out for a few weeks, kind of just count the ceiling tiles, one, two, three, you know, as you do after the test at school. You know, remember you get done at school, bring a book or no, no books. You got, you know, you sit there, you sit there, and they're, they're counting the ceiling tiles. Like, how many? There's 245 in this room. And, and one's kind of off kilter. And it's, you know, the kids at school, it's terrible. It's terrible. It's like hours waiting on everybody to get done testing. Please get done, get done. But physically, spiritually, emotionally, the man needs to lead. Physically, he needs to be out there working, supporting the family. We talked about that, right, ladies? If you find somebody, make sure the guy's working, right? Don't just say, well, you no, get a guy that's going to work for you, right? Make sure you get that. Then you have someone that needs to be emotionally stable, who needs to make sure they align themselves with the word, gets with other men, and then emotionally is able to support himself and others and then pass it along to the family. And then spiritually those who, what, who, who dive into the Word, show thyself approved. We as men of God need to be men and family. We need to be reading and researching and knowing the Word of God because our kids are going to be asking questions about this. They are. They're going to ask you questions. So men, we need to dive in and be able to do that and lead them spiritually in the family. Having what? Reading times, having some devotional times. Um, I remember one time I was working 
kind of nights, kind, I don't know what you call it, you go in at 1 and 2 in the morning, I don't know what you call that, but it's just a crazy shift. And so I had to go to bed after dinner. I mean, we'd eat dinner. I went to bed because if you didn't, you were like toasted. And so um, the wife's like, well, what do you do about the kids? I mean, the kids are six, seven, and they wanted their story time. And I said, I know what I'll do. You remember those little cassette tapes you put in the player and you push the record and play button at the same time and it records? Well, I did that. And I would, I would put stories on there. And, and then at night, Sharon would play them. You know, of course, I was sleeping in the room and she'd play them for the game. Oh, yeah, all right. That was just a season we went through. And, and, and then she would do things and then I would do things and then we did certain things. And then as they grew up, got a little older, then we'd do more stuff around the table. And then, you know, there's something about, there's something about that dinner table and the family getting together. And I love the dinner table. I truly believe the dinner table is the key to success in the family. And I know it's getting probably far and few between, and then these go to the dinner table. Well, these don't need to go to the dinner table. We never had that issue when I was a kid, and when I was raising my kids, we didn't have these. Um, but now, these need to go away, and the dinner table for me is the key. Why? Because everybody comes together, and everybody discusses their day. And everybody, you can kind of see the attitude going on over here. Like, hey, what's up with you, little Bobby? What's going on over here, you know? Or, or hey, oh, great job, Bobby, what you did. Or, or, or this, there's a lot of praise, a lot of correction. The dinner table for me is like an incredible time. And so it was, to me, was one of our things that we did and did religiously is to make sure we took care of that. Of course, when they get jobs and everybody gets scattered, and I understand that. But there's something about those formative years, men leading, making sure their family is in order. So two men I want to look at today. I want to look at two guys, Abraham and Job. Abraham, we kind of left off in our last series and talked about how Abraham, the father of us all, and what a man of God he was and is. And matter of fact, he is also our father. And so it's amazing the things that he did. And there he was. He was standing there in Genesis chapter 18, if you want to turn there. We talked about that, how he, you know, he left his country. God told him to leave his country, and um, he left. And then he took you know, Sarah and Lot and Terah, and they all left. And then they eventually landed there in the promised land. So there they are in the promised land, and he's there. And then Lot separates from him. And we see, and we talked about that a couple weeks ago, how here is Abraham, and he's out talking with the Lord as he's looking down at Sodom. Remember that story? If you were here, if not, let me kind of repeat what's going on. Let's take a look at that in Genesis chapter 18, verse 16. And it says this, it says, When the men got up to leave, that's these angels that came to visit, really the Lord came and visited, they looked down towards Sodom, and Abraham walked along with them to see them on their way. Then the Lord said, Well, shall I hide from Abraham? What I'm about to do, it's like God is thinking out loud. Isn't that kind of crazy? He's thinking out loud. So here's Abraham listening to the Lord saying, well, shall I hide from him? And so you know the story. God tells him how he's going to destroy Sodom. Well, who's down there? That's Abraham's family. That's his extent. He, he is so worried and concerned about his family in Sodom. He stands there. And he's asking God, he says, what, what are you going to do with, with if there's righteous in there? Why would you wipe away the righteous with the wicked? Why would you do that? Will not the judge of all the earth, he says, 
So you know what happened. He went through the little, how about 50? The Lord said, well, if I find 50. How about 40? Well, if you find 40, I won't destroy it. Well, how about 30? And they went down the list, all got down to 10. And the Lord said, you know what? If I find 10 righteous people, I will not destroy the city. And then the Lord went on left and Abraham left. And we know what happened, of course. They weren't able to find the 10 in the city. The city was destroyed. And then the story picks up in chapter 19, verse 26. Lot's wife looked back. She turned to Piddle of Salt. We talked about that. Then it says in verse 27, Early the next morning, Abraham got up and returned to the place where he stood before the Lord. He looked down towards Sodom and all the land that was what dense with smoke was rising, etc. You know what Abraham did? He got up every day and he always went to the same spots where he was, wherever he traveled to. He would get up and he would get up and he would get up and he would pray for his family. He even looked down towards Sodom. He was like, he's, he's very concerned to make sure his family's okay. And the only reason that Lot and his daughters made it out, the only reason they made it out of Sodom was because Abraham stood and prayed. That's the only reason they got out of Sodom. He goes, why? They hesitated. And what do the angels do? They grabbed their hands and drugged them out of the city. Why? Because Abraham prayed. Without the prayer of the saints, without the prayer of the godly man, without the prayer of the wife being the helpmate, without the prayer in the family, the family does not thrive. It has to have prayer. It has to have the man standing up, making sure that the family is in order. So here's Abraham. He's listening to God. Not only is he listening, but he is rising early. Now I know, I know early is hard. But I like it. Like this morning, I smoked a coffee perking at 3.30. Yeah, that's my regular routine. I'm thinking, it's Sunday. I can sleep in till 5. This is going to be awesome. But the whole time I just laid there. I just couldn't sleep anymore. I was just laying there, and I turned a little bit. And April, she'd shake her ears, you know, and the wife looked over, and her mouth was like, no, she wasn't. And so, you know, and, and I'm like, you know, and, and then I'm like, okay, and I turned over a little bit. I'm like, ah, whatever, this is a waste. So I got up, and it was still dark outside. I've always loved that. I turned my little light on, fan spinning, got a cup of coffee, I'm sitting there. And I used to love it when I did that, even when I was younger. And my kids would get up in the middle of the night to go to the restroom or whatever, you know. And they get up and they're like, they're like, oh my gosh, what's that light in the living room? Oh, it's dad, he's up. They would stop, kind of like, they're like mesmerized, like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, what's he doing up? I did it for years and years and years and years. And I still do it. And they can still know that. If they're at somewhere across the world, like James went to Ethiopia, wherever he went to, he wakes up, he knows, oh, it's 3 in the morning, Dad's up. Why does he know that? Because Dad had a routine. Abraham had a routine. David had a routine. Job had a routine. How's your routine going, men? Well, I'll get up at 5 till 8. <clears throat> brush my teeth, grab a cup of coffee, kiss my wife, 
I say, Jesus wept. I'm out the door. I'm gone. We're in my Bible. Jesus wept. Remember last week I said, praise God. God spoke through his word to me. Or, well, Pastor Jane, I'm not an early person, so I just, before I go to bed, I, I lay there and I pray for my family, which is good. You should do that. But why would you want to load your shotgun when you go to bed? Why not load your shotgun before you go outside the door? Like, what do you mean? Look, you need to be spiritually prepared for the day because the enemy is out there to steal, kill, and destroy. Right? And he wants to destroy your family. Does he not? Yeah, he does. So you have to load your gun in the morning. Get up early and fill it up with spiritual ammo. You have to have that. So early, I know, and I totally get it. There's some things things I wrote down that that I wish that I had done, but I never did do for my family. Things I wish I had done, but never did do. I always wanted to take Hunter to the diamond mine in Arkansas, just me and him. Get a tent, drive out there, and go hunting for diamonds. We kept talking about it, kept talking about it. We beat that thing to death. And guess what? Never went. Never went there. I wish I'd done that when he was younger. Things I wish I'd done that I never did. Started taking my wife away by herself when I was younger. Like, leave the kids at home, like, bye, see ya, have a good time, love you, bye-bye. But Pastor Jack, I don't have much money. It doesn't matter. Get a tent, go to a park, it's like 20 bucks, hook up with a fan. Okay, you can $29.99 because you're going to plug up the electricity, get a little water too, and spend the night. Or find a friend who has a house somewhere. Or just sleep in your car. Go somewhere. Go on a road trip. Where are you going to stay? Just sleep in the car. We did one time. We sleep in the car. Wife's like, rest area. She's like, <gasps> he just passed by. Who, who is it? I said, that guy, was just, he's just fine. He, oh, he's got a beard. I know, he's all right. He looks a little scruffy. Well, he just probably had to shave. He's driving somewhere. Okay, I got to go. I said, go. Huh, what, 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 what? I mean, I, I was like, yeah, this is terrible. I'm like, you should have seen a guy. He looked like, uh, 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 forget it. It's, it just took off. Man. This is going to get no sleep. This is good. Just keep driving. Just keep driving. Get me, get me coffee. Keep driving. Take your wife away, guys. When I took her away this week, I did. I, I, we got in the car. We left us church Sunday. I took her in the car. And we said, drive. Let's go. Took forever, by the way, to get sent. It took six hours to get there. It's a, it's a mess that way. It's, just, it's a mess. We get down there, we get all set up, get things, we got to eat and have a good time. She goes, oh, honey. She goes, oh, she goes, I just love you so much because you just swooped me away. I said, come to daddy over here. Come on, daddy over here. Lay one on daddy over here. She's like, whatever. Get away from me. But anyway, <laughs> she has eight for there, walking down the river wall. See, that's what your wives want. Don't you? Wives, don't you want? That guy to lead? Don't you want him to get up? Get up, right? Don't you want the boy to get out of bed? Get out of bed, nappy head, right? Thank God he got some hair. And what? And pray for your family and then swoop her away. Or am I just imagining things? So if you're not praying for your family, if you're not leading, 
if you're not swooping your wife and loving on her like Christ loved the church, then your house is out of order. Let me say it again. Your house is out of order. And the Lord can't bless a house out of order. Just saying, He cannot bless a house out of order. So, Abraham knew exactly what needed to happen. He, he was chosen. He was a great and powerful nation. He stood there. And he stood there. And he stood there. You know, we are watchmen for our house. We are watchmen for our family. We are watchmen for our city. We are watchmen for our United States of America. We are watchmen. Men, we are to watch and be alert and pray and seek the Lord and be prepared and know His Word. Because why? The Lord wants us to. Abraham knew that. We need to instruct our children. We need to sit with the Master, read His Word, make a plan for your family, and walk the plan out. That's what He wants. So, is your house in order? Is it with the original plan? Abraham aligned himself. He stood, and then again, he stood again. That's what we need to do. We need to stand and stand again. Well, Job learned the same thing too. Job says here, in Job it says that, that he was there, and he lived in a land of us, wherever that is, and then this man was blameless. He was upright. He feared God. He shunned evil. He was blameless, upright, feared God-fearing. He shunned. He had seven sons, three daughters. That's ten kids. That's a big van to get around town. Imagine having ten kids. Wife and husband, ten kids. That's twelve. That's got to be one of those gigantic vans, right? You ain't going anywhere. We knew a doctor that had 12 kids, right? And she had a child every year. Now, first thought is, okay, how's a wife have 12 kids? Whenever you, can you imagine being pregnant 12 years in a row? <laughs> oh, man. I don't know nothing about that, but what I see y'all go through, are you crazy? They were both doctors, so they had plenty of money to support kids. But she had a kid every year. So the 12-year-old took care of the 1-year-old. The 11-year-old took care of the 2-year-old. You know what I'm saying? There was a pecking right? Everybody had to take care of somebody, right? Did you get so-and-so? Where's so-and-so? Where's Billy? What's so-and-so? Well, wait. Where's, you know? Can you imagine getting ready for school? What was that TV show? With probably with, trying to make lunch, right? Loaf of bread. Right? Can you imagine just getting the kids ready for school? I mean, that's crazy. Did they home teach? Probably homeschool. Yeah, stay home. Good night. Woo. Can you imagine trying to get them to school? That would crazy. Job had 10 kids. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, five yoke of oxen. He was like the greatest man in all the east. His sons used to have feasts in their homes and on their birthdays, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. When a period of fasting would run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. What is that? Early, oh, here it goes. Early in the morning, did I say early? Early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular 
custom. He had a habit. He worked it out. And he had sacrifices for his kids. Remember the things you did when you were a kid? Remember the things your kids are doing right now? He would get up thinking, you know, maybe my kids did something and I need to pray. And he would pray and sacrifice. And he was always taking care of his family. Always. And so Job learned a very important lesson that you have to do what? Get up, be faithful and loyal, be blameless, be upright, be God-fearing, avoiding evil, having mercy, Father, have mercy, Father, on my children. Father, and he prayed, and he prayed. And I started thinking to myself, okay, you can pray for your kids. But when it comes right down to it, every person is responsible for themselves. Are we not? So, it's their choice. You train them in the right way, and they choose their destiny. You keep training, you keep training, you keep training, and they choose their own path. But, Prayer does work, doesn't it? Well, I've been praying, Pastor, for 35 years for my daughter. She's still not serving me. You continue to pray and pray and pray. Me and the wife kept talking about it. Like, you know, we can put certain things in place, but in reality, we can't do nothing. All we can do is be blameless and upright. But prayer is what gets the job done. And I truly believe when me and Greg sat around yesterday kind of kicking around, having a good time together, just laughing, he goes, you know what? He goes, I was just listening to so-and-so on the preacher on the radio. He goes, and it's talked about earnestly seeking God. I said, okay, keep divulging. He goes, it's almost like when we're really in trouble, we earnestly seek God. Who, who doesn't do that? Let's say, let's say, I mean, let's say all of a sudden today you find out you, you have cancer all through your body. You're going to die in six months. Would you want us to pray for you? Or you go, eh, no big deal. You'd be up here knocking on the door. Pastor, would you pray for me? We have a prayer meeting tomorrow night. I'll be there. When you earnestly seek God, the Lord shows up. So how many times have we really earnestly seek the Lord? Well, Things are pretty good right now. Got food on my table. Bills are paid. It's amazing how Wednesday prayer, once a month, kind of starts waning because everybody's good. Everybody's good. But if you had a serious issue, you would be the first person through that door. Boom! Right? Isn't that funny how we kind of just kind of go through? Kind of like my own life, I thought, you know? The times that I really earnestly seek, I mean really, got in my face and sought the Lord, He answered. My baby didn't die. Huh. Right? You think I sought God for that? You bet. That's my baby. Dying. When I earnestly sought the Lord, He answered. Maybe we're not earnestly seeking the Lord like Abraham and Job. When's the last time you missed a meal or two? Or the first here at the door. Or 
You call friends up. Listen to me right now. i got to pray right now. My, my kid is messed up. We have to. And that's what I like about Red Church. We're a small body, and we get together all the time. If you're not, you need to just get on in there and, and just call. Hey, let's, let's meet. Let's go eat. Why? You think it's going to, and you get there and they start talking, and all of a sudden, oh, now I know what we're talking. We're going to meet together and talk and take care of you and pray. There's something about that. Abraham knew about it. Job figured it out. I'm hoping I can continue to figure that out. But here's the problem. Leading is hard work. Who likes more work? <laughs> I'm already wore out thinking about it. It wears me out. Right? Got to go to work. Got to make sure the car's taken care of. Got to make sure the dryer's working. Make sure the roof doesn't leak. Cut the grass. Make sure everybody's okay. You got spending money. Oh my gosh, the bills are due. Right? And now you're asking me to get up early and pray for my family and, and sacrifice and, and make sure they're okay. And yeah, that's kind of what the Word of God says to do. I'm not saying just saying what the Word of God tells you to do. You need to get up. You need to take care of your family. You need to have dedication. You need to sacrifice. You need to lay your life down. I know someone who laid his life down so that you can have life and life more abundant. Guess what? This life is really short. When I sat back after writing this out this week and typing and talking to the Lord, I wrote down these little few little thoughts at the very beginning. I wrote it down, kind of like, like some thoughts. Though a righteous man falls seven times, he still gets up. That's good. That's scripture. That's powerful. Why? Because I fail every day. I'm going to get right back up and try it again. We all fall. Life is short. I remember when I was like in 20s thinking, man, life is good. I'm going to be here forever, baby. Whatever. Life is short. Make the most of every opportunity. I didn't Make the most. Did I finish my list? I don't think I finished that list. Oh, things I wish I'd, I'd done and never did. Take my young sons to breakfast more. You know, eggs and bacon and toast. I was so busy at the church. No, I was busy, man, doing God's work. Man, I was busy. <sighs> Jesus work. Jesus. 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 Should have been chasing the yoker on the plate with my bread, laughing at my kids, drinking chocolate milk. I'm just telling you what I learned. Life is short. Nothing wrong taking care of your job. But I'm thinking, when I'm on my deathbed, I'm thinking, oh, I just wish I could have been at the church one more hour. Been there, just swept that all that, just swept. Ah, oh, forgot that one place. I forgot. I wish I could have got that cleaned up. <laughs> what was that piano teacher you had? She said, "Leave a little dust, honey. Leave the dust. Take care of your kids. Yeah, leave the dust. Just, just take care of the kids." I'm not saying be a slob, okay? All right, please pick up. All right, please get rid of the trash. But 
Does everything have to be so immaculate? Everything be nice and does it? And your kids are suffering. Mama, mama, hold on. Get, get this, this right. Oh, mama, mama, hold on here. You, you get the point. Leave a little dust. Attend to the kids. And daddy, because he's already up praying with the light on. Yeah, okay, good. You're doing good. All right. You go to work yet? All right, good. You go pray? All right, good, good. Check. Right? Things I wish I'd done more. More floor time. Get on the floor with the kids. You know, get on the floor. Romp around, you know, just. (laughs) Chad loved to build roller coasters. It'd take hours. I I got wore out. It wore me out. I still got in the attic. You pull it out, I'm like, oh, no. It's the dreaded. 12-hour roller coaster. You know, it takes 12 hours to build it. I'm like, no, I should have threw it away. He goes, you still got the roller coaster? Yeah, it's in the attic. Get it on down, Dad. No, no, it's in the attic. On the floor with the kids. Daddy, on the floor with the kids. Daddy, less work, more family. So Abraham got it. Job figured it out. I'm hoping I can get it. And then as we did some stuff this past fall in our small group with Jeremiah to kind of as far as look to him a little bit. Um, Jeremiah learned a few things. And we looked at his character, and this man was impeccable. Matter of fact, a little side note in one of my notes from the men's deal was, Jeremiah stood for 42 years in front of the people. 42 years! All alone. Nobody listened. Scripture says that. Nobody listened. How would you feel? 42 years, you get up, you preach the same message, and nobody listens. You know what that tells me? That dude has some fortitude. He knows whom he serves. Matter of fact, he was... Down deep in mud. They laid him in, they, they laid him by ropes into a pit in the mud. He sunk down in the mud. Probably no more than bigger than this. Can you imagine? For days, almost died in the pit. They finally pull him out. They still didn't listen. Can you imagine? Maybe you're the only, you're the only one in your family. Well, stand up, guys. Stand up. My dad never did. You stand up for your generation. You stand up for your family. My grandpa never did. You stand up. You be the man. You be the man. Because why? Every home needs a man to step up and lead physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Jeremiah figured it out even when he stood all by himself for 42 years. As a matter of fact, when he's in that dark pit, that's where Jeremiah 33.3 comes from. Call to me, and I will answer you. That's a good good little verse, right? Get the context. All by yourself, 42 years. In the mud, no one cares about you. Call to me, and I will answer you. Because when you earnestly seek Him, God answers. 
Every time. Every time. Okay, let's finish this up. Man, here's some words of wisdom. Grab it and use it. You can never become what you want to be until you can drop who you used to be. In desperation, we make permanent decisions about temporary circumstances. Don't do it. Whoever comes after you should have it easier than you did because blessed people always leave a blessing. So your son should be what? Your son should be better off. Your daughter should be better off. When we leave this building, this building is the premium place on property. Why? We always leave the place better than we first got there. As a father, this is T.D. Jakes said this, as a father, I have found that I have a ministry of hugs. When something happens and I really can't fix it, I just hug them. Don't let the past determine who you are today. Okay, so you failed. Okay, well, get up again. Oh, I, I, I don't pray very much. Well, pray. Start today. Well, my wife drives me crazy. I really haven't prayed for her or loved on her like I should. Well, start today. Today. The other night, I told the wife, I said, man, I said, I'm going to give you a gift. I said, ooh, I said, ooh man, your breast a little bit. I said, oh, no, it doesn't smell very good. I don't know. I don't know. So I'm like, yeah, okay. Then the next night, she looked over, she goes, she goes ooh, phew, man, your breast kind of bad. And I was like, she, we went back and forth. Isn't that funny? But what she's really saying was, she goes, what she's really trying to tell me was, honey, I was a kid. I, I, didn't, I didn't catch it. I missed it. Doggone it. But that's what she's really trying to say. You got to read behind it. She's probably thinking, no, I wasn't. <laughs> yeah, she was. Yeah, she was. Know your purpose. If not, you'll be manipulated. Wives need you, not things. Offer yourself. Ooh, I like that one. A tired man is a vulnerable man. Best relationships are secured by mutual need. We may get there. Do you got needs? Do you get, does the other person got needs? Well, why not fulfill the needs? Right? So that's like a, that's, that's like not that very not that hard, right? Like right now I'm getting kind of hungry, so I'm gonna go take care of the need, right? Well, your wife needs love, so just give her some love. She's dying for love. She's dying for you to touch her. That's good. You did good, girl. Yeah. Rub his neck, too. Church dismissed. <laughs> you know how the, you know the dog and the legs start shaking when they scratch? Chris is going crazy. Oh, my gosh. That's the way it should be. Should it not? Or am I just reading this wrong? Have you all read this? It's all in there. Men like to be complimented. 
tell me, honey, about my shirt was good. You know, I look good, right? I look good. Go ahead, tell me, man. Tell me again. Some of you are laughing about me. You've been married for some years. You know it. That's going on in your household. Yeah, you do. So I can't understand you speaking in Spanish, so I don't get it. But I'm sure y'all try like, oh, my gosh, what are they saying? I don't know. It's confusing. Too many Spanish words flying around. Look at them, man. They love each other. Oh, my gosh. Prayer builds back what life has depleted. You're under attack because you're dangerous. How do you feel about this statement, guys? How do you feel about this? Men are emulating you. How does it make you feel? Scared? <laughs> Think about it. Do I hold my hands the same way my dad does? Absolutely. I had a coat on one of his one time, and I was walking, and I had my hat, like, and my wife's like, oh, my gosh. She looked at me from the back. She goes, oh. She goes, I thought it was your dad for a second. Went, it was pretty scary. Right? Scary. You become... Okay, ladies, if there's no godly man in the house, what do I do? What do I do if there's no godly man? My, my husband won't get up. He won't pray. That guy, he just, he just, he's just sorry. What do I do? You pray for your husband daily, hourly. You pray, you pray, you pray. Don't give up, don't give up. Keep knocking, keep Lord. Bless that man, help him. Start leading yourself in devotional time with the kids, going to church, encouraging kids to read the Word of God. You start leading. Huh. Be obedient to your husband, though. If he tells you not to tithe, you don't tithe. Right? Be obedient. Stand your ground, though, if he wants you to do something immoral or illegal. Stand your ground. Say, you know, I don't think that's right. And get in small groups. And voice your concerns and pray together with other believers. And what about men that at one time were doing the right thing and then they kind of lost their way? Ladies, what do you do for that? Men who've lost their way. We need to pray. Please pray for us and that you would, that we need what we need prayer, constant prayer to help us bring us back. We need the emotional support. We need you to what? Start the initiative. We need the words of confidence and encouragement. We need that. Well, every home needs a man to step up and lead, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. Every home needs that. Every home deserves that. The only way up is down. Stand at your post, guys. Ask with confidence, approaching the Lord humbly, and get up early and seek the Lord.